All right, this morning we want to spend a few moments with a text out of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a fairly familiar text, but one that always has something to say. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. Remain standing for the song that follows. Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be able to abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. This week as I was thinking about how do I get into this sermon, there was one image that kept popping into my mind. It was Robbie the robot saying, danger, Will Robinson, danger. I don't know if that may be too dated of a reference for you guys. Oh, you got it. All right. Well, good. Warning. Today we are talking about giving. All right. Give time for those who are exiting at the moment. Actually, you know, we don't talk a lot about giving here at Johnson Street. I got kind of curious. When was the last time that I dedicated an entire sermon to the subject of giving? Going back in my records, unless I missed one somewhere, it's been about 10 years. Now, there's a couple of reasons why we don't often talk about giving here at Johnson Street. One is that churches kind of have a reputation (laughs) of pushing always for more and more money. And that is not this church. That is not what we want to present ourselves as being primarily interested in. We have much higher priorities and, and other interests than that. But really the main reason that we don't preach a lot about giving is that you are such a generous church. You have bought so well into the ministries of this church, the outreaches of this church, both local and foreign, and it just isn't a subject that comes up very often. We don't have to bring the whip out and say, you know, come on, guys, here we go. But in thinking about it, It dawned on me that by not talking much about giving, we are really cheating you. Because giving is a grace. Giving is a gift itself of God. Giving is a spiritual discipline through which we mature 
and we grow closer to God himself. And therefore, if we want to talk about what it means to walk the Christian walk and to become more like Jesus, somewhere in that conversation, we do need to also talk about giving. So today we're going to look at this rather familiar passage, and I'm going to make four quick points about the things that Paul says. He says much more in this passage than we have time to deal with, but I want to make these four basic points. One is that Paul makes in this, cha- this, this uh, passage, this scripture, the point or the principle of return. Now what he does is he takes the spiritual that we can't see and compares it to the physical realm that we can see and that we can experience more sens- sensually, you know, that we, can, that we can touch it, we know it, we understand those things. He says this, the point is this, The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. A point that we understand well. If you're out planting a field or planting a garden, if you put in just a few seeds, you're going to have a few plants. And your harvest is going to be small. But if you go and you plant a lot of seeds, well then your harvest will be increased. This action produces this result. And Paul is saying, just like that works in the physical world, it also works in the spiritual world. That if we plant a lot of seed that has to do with who we are spiritually, then the harvest of the spiritual blessings, both for ourselves and for others, will be great. Now, Paul really likes this point. He mentions it in Galatians, too, in a little bit different context. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for what you reap, whatever you sow. If you sow to your flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. In other words, if the only sowing that you do has to do with this physical realm, then all you're going to get is physical things, and those things eventually corrupt, die, pass on. However, if we spend our time on this earth thinking about the spiritual and giving of ourselves and our resources to things that are of the spiritual realm, if you sow to the Spirit, you will also reap eternal life from the Spirit. That it really does matter where our attention is, where our efforts are, and where it is that we are investing who we are. Because the more we invest in the spiritual, then the more from the spiritual life we will gain. Now, there's one more passage before I leave this point that comes to mind, and this is out of the Old Testament. It's Micah chapter 3, verses, well, it's just verse 10. I don't know why I put 1 through 10 there. But anyway, Micah here, God is speaking through Micah, and he's talking to people that haven't gotten this point, the point that if you invest yourself in the spiritual realm of God, that God will then make sure that spiritual blessings come your way. He says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now right there, tithing is not really a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament concept. The idea of taking a tenth of everything you have 
and giving it to the work of the Lord, to put it to use for God to, to utilize, to serve those and to provide for those who are in need. In another passage in Deuteronomy, he talks about what you do with that tithe. You take it, you divide it up amongst the poor, you divide it up amongst the widows, you divide it up amongst the, the clergy that are doing God's work. You do all that. And by the way, does anyone know what you do with what's left over? Our elders need to hear this. Yeah. You take it and you go out and buy food and drink and have a big party. We don't talk about that part very much, but we just get together and rejoice that we're doing the work of the Lord, and that's good. But that's another lesson. I need to preach that one more fully, perhaps. Uh, But anyway, all right. Tithing is not something brought over into the New Testament, but it certainly stands as a wonderful example. You know, it's not a requirement, nor is it a limit under God's new covenant. We give out of our abundance, and as we see in a moment The more we give, then God makes more available for us to give. But bring the full tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing of of, uh, blessings. God says, try me, try me. The more generous you become, the more you will see my generosity. Now, what are these blessings he will pour out? Not necessarily that you're going to end up with a big house and a three-car garage and expensive car, but the blessings of God. As we pour out what we have to him, then he pours out what he has to us. Second point, coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, is that giving originates in the heart. Paul wants the people to hear this, that when you give, you give from your heart. He says it this way, each of you must give as you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The other day I went down and wrote a check for my property taxes. I am not a cheerful taxpayer. You know, I understand I've got to do it, but it's under compulsion And I have to confess, it's rather reluctantly. Now, I understand that we have to have taxes in the city, so we'll have paved streets. And, you know, I love all the benefits that come from it. I just don't want to do it, you know? Well, God says when it comes to giving to his work, to the work of his kingdom, this is a heart matter because his kingdom is in our heart. This is something that we want to see grow and progress. We want to see the kingdom be a blessing to those people who are struggling in this world. And therefore, since it's a heart matter, it comes out of cheerfulness. We're glad to do this. Now, it's interesting to me that Paul did not choose the usual word that he chooses when he talks about joy. Because we know that Christian joy isn't always light and happy, You know, Christian joy is something deeper than that. But the word he chooses here is the word hilaros, by which we get our name or our word hilarious, right? And we're supposed to be doing this with a wonderful smile on our face because we realize that we are working along beside God and we are doing his work and investing in his kingdom. That becomes even clearer as he goes along. The next point that Paul makes is that God makes us useful for, or giving makes us useful for God's kingdom. 
I think I've told you many times that as I grow older, my goal in life becomes to be more useful to God. And that motivates a lot about who I try to be and what I try to involve myself in. You know, I want to be a tool available at the hand of God that when he needs something done, he can look around and amongst those that he can see that can go do that, I hope to be in that mix. Now, one thing that that does is it helps us to live lives that are holy lives, that are moral lives, so that we're not too damaged for God to use to go out and to do his work. But it also means that we are people that express a real desire to be involved in his work. Well, what does that have to do with giving? Well, let's read on. God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Now, what he's saying here is that God is willing to give you enough for yourself. And certainly a part of us has to be concerned about that. We are called upon as Christians to do what we can to provide for ourselves and for our family. But notice what he's saying is that if we are willing to share what we have that is extra, if we are willing to share what we don't have to have, then God will provide more of that extra, that he will provide more for us to give. He can trust us. We're useful in his purposes. God's real purpose is to provide for those who are weak and struggling. And guess what tools he uses to do that? Us, right? And he looks around and says, who's doing that? Who can I trust to give a little extra to because they're going to pass it on and put it to good use and to good work? He goes ahead and makes that point again when he says he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Uh, and I don't know what's wrong with my reading today. He, will, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for yourself. To, no, wait a minute. Uh, I read that wrong too, didn't I? He will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That whenever we're sowing seed, whenever we're giving to those who are in need, whenever we are giving to the work of God and his kingdom on this earth, if God can trust us to give more of that away, he says he makes more of that seed for sowing available to us because he knows it's going to be used for his work. One more point. Giving ends up in thanksgiving. He says it this way. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God. If we give to those who are in need, those people give thanks to God. In other words, you give your gift, God gets the thank you note. We're not interested in people coming and saying, we're so glad that Johnson Street gave us this. What we're interested in, aren't we, Bob, is whenever we give food or clothing or whatever it is that we give to others, whatever it is that is their need, what we are interested in is that they say, thank you, God. Thank you, God for providing what I need. Now, giving produces thanksgiving, 
But not only thanksgiving for those who receive what God has given through his people, but also it reminds the giver to be thankful for God's generosity. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of God's people or the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. The more we understand and the more we buy in to the spiritual discipline and grace of giving, the more thankful we are for what God has given us. I've heard it said by young parents, especially, that I heard about the love of God, but until we had a child, I didn't really get it. Until we had a child and I held that baby and realized how much I love that child. And then I realized that God loves me the same way. Then I began to understand the love of God. Well, I think this principle works as well. That as we learn to be people who give what God has given us over and above what our needs really are, we begin to understand how much God has given us. And we give him thanks for his generosity. Very familiar passage, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave. We are called upon to be his children. We are called upon to imitate him. We too are called upon to learn how godlike it is to be those who give. God has given us everything that we have. He has given us more than we need so that we might provide for those who are still in need. But most importantly, he has given us his son. And by the gift of his son, he has made us his children. Thanks be to God for his glorious gift. Let's stand and sing.